And I saw the seven angels who stand before God. We met them in chapter 1. We met them again in chapter 4 and 5. These seven angels, now we don't know who they are except for two of them, Michael and Gabriel, but the Jewish um, you know, um, doctrine that they write in the Talmud and the Mishnah and the Gemara and all the other places, their oral tradition, their written tradition, where they take the Bible and explain it, they've named them all. But it doesn't matter what their names are, they're always there. These are the angels that are always facing God, and we see them as seven pillars of fire, and they're always facing God, and they're, they're sent off by him, they're ministering spirits that are the kind of, we call them archangels, arche means high, they're the high angels. Now there was one higher than all seven, and he was the anointed cherub, the covering cherub. And, and he had four faces and was covered with eyes. And, uh, and he fell. He became called Satan. But these seven did not. And they faced God at all times. And so there they are, the seven angels who stand before God. And to them were given seven trumpets. Verse 3, and another angel having a golden censer. And a censer is a little dish. And a lot of times, because they had hot coals in it, it was hard to hold it because, you know, if it was gold or brass or whatever, you know, it's kind of like holding something out of the oven. They had three little chains on it that they would hold the chain and it would, hold, it would be suspended, filled with this burning coals. And so just think of, you know, like a, a, if you've ever been in a liturgical service, whenever we go to uh, the Holy Land, they're always shaking these censers of incense. If you've ever seen them do that, that's kind of the object. But it was a golden censer and came and stood at the altar and he was given much incense. It doesn't say who gave it to him. Very likely the Lord uh, himself, because this is right in front of his throne, but it doesn't matter, that he should offer it. And look at what verse three says, with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar, which was before the throne. Now, this golden altar is mentioned not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but guess how many times? Seven. Remember, God communicates what? Heptatically, as a set. So this altar is talked about, and it's very important. And look at verse four. And the smoke of the incense, with the prayers of the saints, ascended before God from the angel's hand. Now, what is this? I mean, what is that supposed to mean? What it says. It says a lot of things. God collects prayers. Amazing to think about. They're so important to him, we don't see that God collects anything else. He doesn't collect stamps and coins. He could make them if he wanted to, but he accepts and receives the worship of his people. And, and especially the prayers are so important, he collects them. We already saw in chapter 5, verse 8, that they're in bowls in front of him. And, and it's interesting, bowls is plural, and it doesn't say how many. I wonder if we each have one bowl. I mean, there's lots of room in heaven. And I always think, how much is in your bowl? How much is in my bowl? How much do we even fill the bowl God keeps of our prayers in heaven? But it's amazing to think about. The smoke of the incense, the prayers of the saints ascends before God. This is the doctrine of prayer. God designed prayer as our ultimate connection to him. The Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, God the Son, are both involved in getting our prayers right to God the Father. And, and nothing, nothing can, can uh, you know, at all hinder that process except for us. By us not praying 
or by us intentionally, as the Psalms say, if I regard iniquity in my heart. You know what regard means? It's kind of looking in a catalog. You or walking through the mall. You kind of look through the window and you think, oh, look at those shoes. Look at that outfit. Or you're online and you're shopping. and you're, You haven't bought it yet, but you're wanting it. That regard means if I want sin. As it says in Psalms, if I regard iniquity in my heart, God can't hear me pray. So God has made this vital connection that we can obfuscate and block and, and hinder. But prayer. Now, now think for just a moment about prayer. Prayers from saints get to heaven and get stored. That's the first line, if you just read that for what it says. They rise before God's face and are placed in special bowls, as I said, Revelation 5.8 says that, and they're right in front of God. Now, usually when people get older, I used to love visiting my dad before he died at 92 in Lansing, and, and his life got, his world got smaller and smaller and smaller until finally it was just whatever was within reach of his recliner. And anything important to him was where he could reach it, either on the floor, behind, or on the little tables next to him. Because he was so weak, he couldn't get up and down and run after stuff. And he had his phone there, and he had his coffee cup there, and of course his Bible and marking pens, and everything he read, and this little remote. And everything important to him. And the rest of the house just fell into disuse. And it was right there. Do you ever think when you're in the hospital, whatever you can reach by your your bedside. When you're handicapped in any way, you, you keep everything close with you. What, what is the message here? Anything important. The rest can, you know, forget about it. Whatever is most important, I keep really close. What does God keep really close? See, that's what we need to think about here, how important prayer is. Prayer gives us access, front row seats in front of God. Nothing can get us closer. Nothing brings us nearer. Nothing is more front and center to all that God is doing than our prayers. And yet the most confessed malady of most believers is, I don't pray enough. Why? Why? I don't think we realize what we have. And so we don't utilize it and use it. By the way, some of those prayers that are in front of God are the answered prayers, the yeses and nos. You know, God does answer every prayer, either yes or no. And some are the unanswered prayers, the not yets, please wait. That's another, a third form. There's yes, no, and please wait. But God does answer all those prayers. But they are all the prayers of the saints, the yeses, the nos, and the please waits. As Hebrews 4 says, they come before the throne of grace and mercy because God wants to give us grace to help us in time of need when he says yes, when he says no, and when he says wait. He always gives us grace and, and his mercy to help us. And all prayers are fragrant offerings of worship. Now, you know, a lot of people say, oh, the worship at church was good. What went on this morning is not worship. That was music. That is not worship. That, don't say I, I worshiped, unless you did. That was music. Music is kind of like the coals that inflame the heart, and worship only arises from a redeemed heart to God. It's very personal. Now, we can corporately be worshiping, but worship is very personal. Offering to God. And you, someone else can offer, and you don't really have, it doesn't help your account if someone else is with a heart 
a fire for God is lifting worship. If you're just observing and, you know, crit critiquing or whatever, it has to be that I'm engaged in sending things through that pipeline, which comes through prayer. Prayer uh, has a capacity to take our worship before God. But the silence of heaven, look back at the text. The second half of verse 1 says, there was silence in heaven for about a half hour. The, the silence may well be a precious insight into how vital prayers are to God. Everything halts before his throne at this moment as he... Now, we don't know how many times this happens, but we, are, we do know that at this moment, this happened. And when God reaches into and gets out prayers from the collected reservoir of the prayers of all the saints, and when he combines those with the incense and gives them with coals of fire from the altar, when all that happens, nothing else happens. Everyone just freezes. It, it's a... It, did your parents ever tell you that, you know, when someone that you respected and admired talked, you're supposed to stop? You don't talk. I mean, if, if your teacher steps into the room and starts talking, in the old world, when people were respectful, er, everyone would stop talking because they respected them. They were greater than them. But now everybody thinks they're great, so nobody stops talking. I mean, you can just have the most august person in the world, and nobody, everybody's individually so important that we, we have to keep going louder and louder, and finally, you know, they do something, make noise. But, but when God the greatest is doing something, everybody freezes because it, he is the center of everything. And so he's saying prayer is important. The silence in heaven may well be a precious insight into how vital our prayers are to God. Everything halts before his throne as the prayers of his saints arise before Almighty God. And if everything else halts, and if God breathes in the sweet fragrance of the devoted prayers that we offer, doesn't that make us want to pray and to pray and to pray? And we should do so without ceasing. Remember Paul saying that in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing? See, Paul was encouraging us. This is so vital. He says, don't miss it. It's so important. It's kind of like uh, treasure. I mean, if someone tips you off about treasure, yesterday morning we were on this plane out of Miami, and I've never had this happen before. Bonnie was busily witnessing to the person by the window. She was in the middle seat. I was over here, you know, trying to read my 96 pages again and, and everything. And, and, and finally, the lady by the window, you know, said, I have to go to the... Now, we were starting to land, and she's 85. I have to go to the restroom. Of course, we shot out of our seats to, you know, we wanted to help her get to the restroom. And uh, so I got out, and then Bonnie got out, and then this lady got out, and she's quite elderly and, and struggling, and she's trying to get out of that row, and she's trying to take her purse, thought we were convicts probably, and didn't want to leave anything behind. And as she's going... Uh, I make sure she gets down the aisle and Bonnie follows her to make sure she didn't fall. And I look down and right in front of her seat was a little pile of $20 bills. And then right in front of Bonnie's seat were more. And then there. And then I looked quickly down the aisle and as she was walking, her purse was dropping like she was seeding the ground. 20s were falling out all the way down the aisle. The whole airplane, everybody was starting to get agitated. People were looking in the aisle. They were thinking, should I take these? What am I going to... You know, it was just like it was an electric moment. And so I, I scooped them up and started picking them up and I went all the way down the aisle picking up money. I mean, every eye on the plane, they were trying to see, you know, they were all thinking, what's he going to do with that money? And by the time, you know, I had a handful this big, and by the time she was waiting in line at the bathroom, I said, ma'am, excuse me, ma'am. And she turned around, and I said, here, 
Oh, the look on her face, she thought she'd won the lottery. She just, and, and I pointed down, and she had her purse upside down, and, and then she connected it, and she turned, and boy, did she accept the track from Bonnie. When she got done witnessing to her, when she came back from the bathroom, she says, you guys, who are you, you know, and, but did you notice that, that I was attracted to that trail of treasure? Did you know that that's what prayer is like? The more you understand, you'll take every, it's almost like grabbing 20s, every moment that you can spend in prayer. I mean, when people see money, they run for it because it communicates a value. Does prayer communicate a value that you want to grab? You have a little free time, do you listen to a tune or talk to God? You have a little free time, do you text a buddy or post something or poke or Instagram something or do you spend, whatever you treasure is what's closest and God treasures prayer and says we should too. Well, the altar, and, and go back to, to what it says in verse 2. The seven angels who stand before God were given trumpets. Then another angel, verse 3, having a golden censer, came and stood before the altar. Remember I told you this altar is mentioned seven times. And it's just a little copy, and I told you that last week, and we looked at it in Exodus 30, of the, of the altar of incense that stood right in front of the big veil that divided the Holy of Holies from the holy place in the tabernacle. And there was this huge curtain, and right in front of the curtain was this little altar about three feet high with a little rail around it that could keep the coals from falling off. And you would go out front to the brazen altar, bring a big bucket of coals, a censer, and you would put the coals there, and then you would take the incense and sprinkle it all over that altar. And in front of the curtain were the Holy of Holies, was that represented God's throne. This smoke was always rising, which portrayed our prayers rising before the face of God. And that's what we see here. The altar of incense shows up seven times in Revelation. And the reason it shows up is to tell us something. Prayer connects us to the throne of God. And it's better than $20 bills, and we should jump out of life and follow the trail. If we really believe that prayer connects us right there. I mean, you want to get God's attention? Pray. He stops everything, goes, oh, yes, no, wait. See, he always answers. And of course, this shows us some of the ones waiting. Waiting. 